0: Welcome to the audio version of Lift Your Eyes, Reflections on Paul's Letter to the Ephesians. By me, Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. The message is the mission. What is God's mission? In the opening section of Ephesians, Paul talks a lot about God's purposes for the world. God's ultimate purpose is to sum up everything in Christ. That's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. God is moving everything in heaven and earth towards that end. But how? What is the means to the end? In other words, what is the mission? And what does that mean for our own mission as Christians and as churches? There are many answers people give to this question. Here are three. One answer is that God achieves his purposes primarily through transformation. God changes the lives of Christians for the better. People in the world see the goodness of Christians, and they see that Christianity works. They're attracted to that goodness, and so they are transformed and come under Christ's lordship too. Therefore, if this is the primary way God achieves his purposes for the world, then we should focus our energy on things like social justice and apologetics, that is, on changing the world and showing the world how good and true Christianity is. Another answer is that God achieves his purposes through unity. As believers throughout the world put their differences aside and unite under common movements and institutions, will be strong and able to win the world for Christ. And therefore, if this is the primary way God achieves his purposes for the world, then we should focus our energy on things like politics and conferences, that is, on actively uniting believers through organised movements. Another answer is that God achieves his purposes through church planting and growth. As believers meet together in church, they're inspired to worship and they're equipped for service. Outsiders are attracted to our excellent churches. They join us, and so they too come under Christ's lordship. Then more church communities are planted by visionary leaders in new areas. Therefore, if this is the primary way God achieves his purposes for the world, then we should focus our energy on things like strategy and excellence, that is, on getting our systems and leadership structures running well. All these things are worthwhile. And they all resonate with things that Paul says in Ephesians. Christ does indeed want us to be transformed and to shine as light in the world. Christ has indeed achieved a unity which crosses borders. Christ does indeed grow his church through each individual member of the church doing their work well and properly in harmony with others, including leaders. But the question is, is this the core thing? Is transformation or unity or church planting and growth actually our mission? Let's come back to the beginning of Ephesians. Here, at the start of his letter, Paul mentions, but before Paul mentions anything to do with social transformation or unity or church growth, Paul talks about something even more fundamental. In fact, he spells out precisely how God is achieving his purposes in the world. He says, first of all, that God is achieving his purposes for the world through evangelism. Evangelism means the preaching of the gospel by people who know the gospel to people who don't know the gospel. This is what verses 11 to 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 are all about. In fact, these few short verses read like a highly condensed summary of the book of Acts. The very words that Paul uses here, as well as the order he puts them in, follow the description of the gospel going out from Israel to the nations in Acts. They summarise how the gospel message of Jesus Christ rang out from the first Israelite believers to the nations or Gentiles around them. Now, Here in verse 13, Paul reminds his Gentile readers that they too have been caught up in God's great plans for his universe through Christ. He reminds them that this is how God is achieving his purposes, through the gospel being preached, heard and believed. And that is how they too Have come to be sealed with God's Holy Spirit. Here's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. In Christ, you too, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and also having believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Let's look a little more closely at Paul's description of the gospel going out to the nations. Notice firstly that the gospel is something that is heard. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just a philosophy describing how to live a good life, or a call to unite under a banner, or an invitation to join a community. The gospel is a message about a person. And the first thing you need to do with a message is to hear it. Paul says this is precisely what his readers have done. Somebody had preached the message to them, and they had heard it. This is very much like the description in Acts. After Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to his Israelite disciples, he ascended to heaven and poured out his Spirit on them. In this way, he showed them that God's great Old Testament promises to Israel were being fulfilled. But it didn't stop there. Through his Spirit, Jesus made sure the Gospel message was preached to many Gentiles, that is, non-Israelites, further afield. From Jerusalem to the surrounding areas and even to the far flung regions of the Roman Empire and beyond. It was preached and it was heard. What is this preached gospel message all about? Paul describes it as the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel is not just a general vibe that can be filled with our own ideas or bent to suit our own purposes, it is a message with specific content. It is the word of truth. It tells us certain things that are true about God and ourselves and the world. That's why later in Ephesians, Paul compares the truth of the gospel to the lies of false teaching. The gospel, by its very nature, excludes certain ideas. That's why truth can never be put to one side or put in second place after other things like transformation or unity or church planting and growth. What is the core of the gospel? Paul does not call it the gospel of our goodness, or the gospel of our unity, or the gospel of our community, or the gospel of our excellence. He calls it the gospel of our salvation. Salvation is about being rescued. What are we rescued from? A little later in Ephesians, Paul spells this out. We have been rescued from God's judgment for our sin. That's the first half of chapter 2. This has happened entirely by God's grace, and not at all by our own efforts. We have been forgiven because of Jesus' death on the cross. We've been raised with him, and we look forward to the time when God will sum up all things in Christ. This is the core of the gospel message, salvation. It's about lost sinners under God's judgment being rescued and restored and brought to life. Because the gospel is a message about a person, and because it involves certain key truths, and because it tells us about being saved or rescued, it demands a response. Paul reminds his readers what their response to the gospel had been. They had believed it. They had come to believe in the person of Jesus Christ to believe certain true things about him, and to believe and trust Jesus for salvation. Again, the book of Acts helps to fill this out more for us. Acts has many stories about people who believed the gospel at certain key stages in the gospel going out from Israel to the nations. In Acts chapter 10, the apostle Peter was called to come and speak to a Gentile centurion, Cornelius. Peter did come and speak the gospel about Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose from the dead. Peter concluded by saying this, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the primary aim of evangelism. We don't just want people to approve or to belong. We want them to believe. We're not just trying to convince people that Christianity is good, or unite them under a common cause, or bring them to church, or include them in the community. We may need to do all these things at various points, but this is not the primary aim. The aim is that people believe in Jesus Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Well, Having heard and believed the gospel, Paul tells his readers that they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? Again, the book of Acts helps us here. It records that when Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on those first Israelite disciples, there were visible signs that God used to show that he was fulfilling his Old Testament promises. In particular, the first disciples spoke miraculously in other languages. Then, at certain key stages of the gospel going out to the world, the same thing happened to other people too. Remember the story we just saw about Peter preaching to Cornelius? That's Acts chapter 10. Well, here's what happened next. While Peter was still saying these things, The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, that is Israelites, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the non-Israelites. What was happening here? God was showing that he was giving his gift of salvation and life to Gentile people as well as Jewish people. The Spirit was God's seal, God's brand demonstrating that these Gentile believers belong to God as much as the Jewish believers did. This is what Paul's referring to here in Ephesians. He's not saying that every individual believer will always have spectacular signs happen to them as soon as they believe. Nor is he saying that the Spirit is just waiting around for us to believe before he can come into our hearts. That's not the point. The point is that as the gospel comes to us and we hear and respond by believing it, God gives his spirit to us, which means we belong to him, we are secure in him, and our future relationship with God is guaranteed to. Verse 14 goes into more detail about this. So how is God achieving his purposes in the world? Through evangelism. That is, through the preaching of the gospel by people who know the gospel to people who don't know the gospel. We have heard it. And many, many people around the world have believed and been sealed with God's Holy Spirit. The gospel being preached in the world and heard by people in this world is an absolutely core element in God's great plan for his universe. It is the activity of the risen Lord, victorious in the heavens, bringing people to know and love and trust him. So the mission is the message. Evangelism. The preaching of the gospel message about Jesus Christ is the way God is achieving his purposes in the world. We could say that it is evangelism that undergirds everything else. Social transformation starts with people believing, hearing, and living out the gospel. The unity of the Spirit begins with people who hold firm to the truth of the gospel. One hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's there in Ephesians chapter 4. Church growth begins with believers speaking the truth of the gospel in the context of loving relationships. That's also in Ephesians chapter 4. All these things flow from the preaching of the gospel. They aren't the most fundamental things. It is the preaching of the gospel that is at the core. How could you personally be part of this mission? Well, the main way is by hearing and believing the gospel message about Jesus Christ. And then, by working out how to live it, speak it, and help and support others to live and speak it. This will happen in many different ways. Not everyone is going to be a missionary or an upfront leader or a bold super evangelist. We'll all speak the gospel in different ways to different people, in fellowship with others who are playing different parts to us. But no matter what our individual roles are, We need to keep remembering that the preaching and hearing of the gospel is the big thing. This is how God is achieving his purposes in the world. You may be someone who's involved in Christian ministry, or making decisions about Christian ministry. How does your own life and decision-making reflect the fact that evangelism is at the core of God's mission? It's so easy to have all our energy consumed by efforts to change the world or promote the goodness of Christianity, or achieve unity, or get everything at church organised, isn't it? And of course, often we must put effort into these things so that the gospel can be heard in the first place. It really helps when people give us a hearing, when Christians are united, when the church works well. But the problem is that these things can easily become the big thing, the thing that captures all of our attention. There's all sorts of reasons why this might happen. We'll often get positive feedback when we're working on social justice or apologetics or unity or church growth, but we're less likely to get the same level of positive feedback when we're working on evangelism. Yet evangelism is still at the core, despite the fact that it might not rate highly in the opinion polls. You might need to seriously ask how to make the preaching of the gospel more central in your life and decisions. That might mean making decisions about your life and ministry that will prove to be messy and unpopular. Remember where Paul's writing this from. He's in chains for preaching the gospel. The authorities are against him. Many of his own people are against him. How's that for negative feedback? Yet Paul knows that God is achieving his great plan to sum up all things in Christ and that this is happening through the preaching of the gospel. In the end... It's worth it, because the message is the mission. For reflection, are you convinced that evangelism is at the core of God's plan for the universe? What worthwhile thing is most likely to distract you or your church from evangelism? Is there anything you need to do to stop this distraction from happening? You've been listening to Lift Your Eyes, a lo-fi audio podcast. No witty banter, no crime solved, just me reading my reflections on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. The text version of this podcast can be found at my website, www.lionelwindsor.net. Please check it out, subscribe and share.